0: After two years removed from the marathon and a year battling serious injury, Columbus Running Company elite athlete Sakiko Minagawa ran the California International Marathon last week, chasing the Olympic trials standard. Despite the obstacles, and perhaps because of them, she raced to a new personal best of 235.52. As Booker T. Washington wrote, Success is to be measured not so much by the position that one has reached in life as by the obstacles which he has overcome. By that measure, Sakiko has reached the pinnacle of running success. She joins us this week to share her experience of training, persevering, and ultimately excelling. Here's Sakiko on mile 165 of Second's,
1: Seconds Flat. flat. Yeah. Woody up. Woody Woody Woody. Woody.
0: This is the second flat running
1: podcast.
0: Sakiko, welcome to the Seconds Flat Running Podcast. It is great to have you.
1: Awesome. Thank you, Travis. It's been a week.
0: You're back running. How does the body feel?
1: Um, Everything, but the quads are still sore, but everything else is feeling pretty good. The quads, you think that's a little bit of the rolling nature of the course at CIM? Yeah, I think it's the downhill. That's something that um, really stresses the quads. Today, you're an Olympic trials qualifier
0: with a beautiful new PR, but a year ago, you were in a very different space as an athlete. You've battled through all these months to get to a start line. Uh, Share with us the running journey you've been on in 2023.
1: Yeah, actually, in 2022 of September... Um, I uh, was just doing a workout and I just couldn't run anymore. Uh, I had some pain in my, um, lower back, uh, sacral area and, um, I had to jog home for like a mile and couldn't walk after that. Um, and so, uh, after a couple of days of taking, taking some time off, Um, Ultimately, I decided I need need to get some imaging or get some answers to this pain. And I found out that I broke my sacrum. Uh, So I had a sacral fracture. So I had to take several weeks off. And I think I started running back around January of 2023. Um, And so I started back running, tried to go as uh, patiently as possible. But eventually, um, I thought I could, you know, take some time off slowly build and get back to my old routine of 80 to 100 miles a week. Um but after I was able to build I believe to like maybe 50 60 70ish um I felt a little bit of pain in that sacral area again and I that's when it was like a really uh a good reality check or a wake uh, wake up call that hey I need to do something different. I can't keep um running the way I did if I want to get to the, get to a start line healthy. Um, and so I started changing the way I train a lot, ran a lot less than I was used to, but I instead incorporated a lot more cross training, uh, mostly the elliptical and, um, also got into, uh, went to the gym and weight train a lot, lot more. So still getting some of that, um, running motion from running, but also elliptical, um, as I think the closest second to running motion without a lot of that stress on the bone. Um, and still getting more, uh, I guess that stimulus of, to the muscles and the tendons through the weight, heavy weight training. What's the
0: first thing going through your mind when you get that diagnosis of the sacral fracture?
1: Yeah. Um, I think the first thing is getting to know, having an answer to the pain is always nice. Cause then it gives me a better idea of what the, I guess, recovery time and what, um, how how to recover from this injury. I, I don't know. I, I do get a lot of questions on how did you get through it all or how did you feel? Um, but I didn't have a lot of time to, I guess, process it. By the time it hurt, it was already broken. So mm-hmm. it wasn't like this mental battle of, is it okay to push? Maybe it's not. Should I do this? Should I do not, should I not do it? Um, so honestly, that wasn't it of course, was hard to take some time off, but I still was pretty hopeful. And okay, if I rest, I still have plenty of time to recover, get back into training and um, go after racing again. Um, but it was actually the second time when I felt that sacral pain, that was harder, because that's when I had to deal with, do I continue to push? Do I need to rest? And so honestly, that yeah, the second time when I had to take a little bit of time off, um, trying to deal with what is this pain? Is it, am I getting, am I developing another sacral fracture? Is it phantom pain? Is it just, if I I need to slow down building the training, that was, I think, harder for me mentally.
0: Mm. Does the arbitrary nature of this deadline for qualifying for the trials come into mind, particularly the second time for you that you felt that pain, knowing that outside forces have put on me December as my deadline. Mm-hmm. And so often in running when we force goals is when we struggle the most with them. Mm-hmm. When we're consistent and let them develop over time, we're often successful, but that was out of your hands. Uh, were mm-hmm. you, were you thinking that long term uh, in the spring when you started to feel the pain again?
1: I it definitely I would be lying if I said it wasn't I didn't feel the pressure, mm-hmm. but I knew that as long as I had um enough training in uh, and get, I, I always say, like, uh, just get me to the start line, right? I, I, I will be, I'm going to give my best and whatever, whatever time I run, whatever place I place is what I is my best. And so my goal was, yes, hitting the Olympic trials standard time would be awesome, but it was more of, I want to be able to, I just want to race. I just want to get to the start line healthy.
0: Yeah, that's a powerful reminder of why we run and mm-hmm. where a, a healthy relationship with the sport is the outcome is often out of our control. And mm-hmm. we'll come back to how you handle that and some of the cross training in a bit, Sakiko. But mm-hmm. you, you just said it, just get me to a start line we finally got you to a start line. Yes. Uh, what 9 10 days before CIM you lined up for a 5K. Uh, yes. The Turkey Trot where all the magic happens. Yes. And you ran quite well. Take us through that experience.
1: Yeah, um yeah, I did the Dave's Toledo Turkey Trot or Turkey Chase. It was a 5K. It was honestly the perfect tune-up for the marathon. <laughs> It was a good, um, I hadn't raced in over a year. Um, and it, so it was nice to kind of go through the race day motion, um, waking up early, eating my pre-race breakfast and getting to that start line. And it was quite a, a very quick 5K, very fast. It definitely gave me the confidence, gave me confidence for the marathon um, because I, yeah, my goal was to run a fast marathon and I wasn't training for 5K but I was able to run my 5k road PR. And so it, yeah, that definitely gave me the confidence that I have good, pretty good fitness.
0: Yeah. Did the perspective on the marathon change for you after that race, even though it was a far shorter distance, did that feel in any way like a turning point to you because you'd had good sessions through the fall, mm-hmm. uh, but now you've finally raced. You finally tasted mm-hmm. that again. What, was that something bigger than just, yeah, I had a good tempo run or yeah, I had a good long run?
1: Yeah, um, I'd say it was a once I crossed that finish line, it was one of the moment where I'm like, okay, I, I, I'm back at it. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm ready.
0: Sakiko, just uh, seeing your face as you describe that, that's fantastic. You crossed one line and knew you had taken a huge step forward in your running career mm-hmm. back to the person that you had been and maybe even mm-hmm. a better version. Mm -hmm. And then you had a week plus and we get you on another starting line. I felt very confident you had the fitness for a 235 marathon going into CIM. That 5K time you put up only strengthened my belief, but were you at all worried about covering the distance well mechanically?
1: Mm -hmm. That's a great question. Yeah, I think honestly, just the buildup to getting to a start line to run a marathon it was, uh, I had to trust a new way of training, right? Not running uh, high mileage and using cross training as a way of uh, building my cardiovascular fitness and muscle strength using weight training. Yeah, I guess that was an area where um, I didn't know, right? How my body responds running 26.2 miles. But I guess for me, it was, yeah, I'm just gonna give my best and my best, we'll see what my best is.
0: Yeah. Where was the headspace that morning in Folsom before mm-hmm. you have 26 plus miles to, to Sacramento? You're going through your routine
1: beforehand.
0: You're getting mm-hmm. on the line. Where's the headspace? I was,
1: I just thought I'm here. I'm here. I'm ready. Um, just so grateful to, with all that I went through just to be at a start line. Um, yeah. I was just very excited being able to start stand on the start line with hundreds of people and lots of female athletes also wanting to go under the standard and i thought it was so cool to see how many people are going after after it
0: gratitude is an amazing motivator mhm i think sometimes we as runners can let those moments become full of pressure perhaps rather than opportunities Uh, and mm -hmm. that that can create a weight but I I love the way you uh, expressed your enthusiasm to Mm -hmm. to run that day
1: it's definitely a perspective right it's a perspective any situation if you people see it in a different way and you can take it as pressure and bring you down or you can see it as an opportunity and help and lift you up
0: Yeah. We can't always control all of our emotions, but we can do the Mm -hmm. best we can to control the thoughts that enter our brains. Mm -hmm. Uh, You seem like you went to the line ready to attack the day, uh, to Mm -hmm. seize the opportunity. Mm -hmm. Let's break the race into two pieces. First, through about 30-ish K, uh, you're Mm -hmm. riding... That line right on 237, OTQ pace. Uh, Mm -hmm. As I told you at our run this morning, I was frantically watching the splits, waiting for those 5K numbers to click. Tell us about the emotions and the physical feelings you had after being away from this distance for so long. And now you are just thrown into it, as you said, in a pack of such talented women all chasing Mm -hmm. this mark together
1: hmm um, yeah, I think for the first half and a little bit more up to I guess to the thirty k um I had my watch auto lap every mile, and so I would occasionally look at it, but because it's auto lap, it's a little bit off from the actual mile marker, and they were very clear go back based on the mile marker because um auto lap may not be so, may not be correct, and so um, I would check when it would auto lap, and it was around that six minute mile, so I knew I was um where I needed to be. And we, because I um, knew who the girls were, the girls who were trying to go to the, for the OTQ, and we had two pacers actually. I only saw one, um, but I know we had two in the race. So I just kept a close eye on the pacer, um, and so it was just stay relaxed, stay patient um, is one thing that I really told myself to to be, uh, especially with a rolling up and down, um, especially in the uphill. Uh, I girls would pass me but I know based on the training I did that uh, I don't need to be speeding up at the uphill Um, and then I would eventually catch some of the girls on the downhill or the flat section Um, but yeah I think patience was something that I kept telling myself and yeah I, I with a marathon I say it's a 20 mile long run with all my best friends and then it's a a 10K race.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's beautiful and so true. Patience is something that many of us struggle with at the marathon Mm -hmm. distance because you feel good early, as you should, if you're running Mm -hmm. at at the appropriate pace. Do you have any cues, mantras, those kind of things that you're talking yourself through? Do you try to really uh, lock in, focus into each mile, or is it more of a disassociation? What are some tips you might give folks of how you just handle the distance?
1: Mm, In terms of mantra, I think I have so many thoughts that go through my mind. Some are just like, just relax, be patient, um, and hold on uh, to the girls in front of you, to the runners in front of you. um, And I think just be confident, right? Be confident with your training, be confident with all the work that you put in, um, be confident with your nutrition plan. um, And sometimes you might there's gonna be times when you don't feel so good and then trust that it's gonna come around and you're gonna feel good again.
0: What was that nutrition plan for you this time?
1: Yeah, so I um, uh, had the elite fluids. So we got elite fluids or the table. We had that about every three miles. I also had the martin gels that I um, I taped some of the bottles and some I kept, um, I held on uh, from the beginning of the race. And so I took the gel about every four miles. And so I just kept that with uh, the regular gels and the caffeinated gels kind of just went back and forth.
0: Did you hit all your bottles? Any misses?
1: Oh, I got everything, every bottle except for the very last one. And oh. it was just the very last one, or just, I'm just, my brain was just keep going, keep going, keep going. So it didn't It didn't really faze me. I think I, I took just the next, um, water station uh water so yeah
0: in that first 30k where you're averaging out right on 236
1: high were any of those miles a struggle where there points when you felt like you were fighting a little bit yeah i think uh, just throughout the race right you have this feeling where you feel so confident like i can do this i feel great and then there's moments of ah do i feel like i'm i'm feeling tired am i is there a gap is there a gap forming? Mm. Um, And so, yeah, there are times when I guess um, I don't feel so good, but mostly, no, I just, yeah, that's something that I also trained, right? To keep a positive mindset of when you don't feel good, um, acknowledge it. And again, it's okay to not feel good, but know that, hey, keep going, keep going, keep going, and you'll be okay.
0: Yeah. That's, I believe, critical advice, Sikiko, because those moments uh, are almost inevitable at that mm-hmm, distance. Mm-hmm. right, And that's a great yeah. reminder for, for everyone running 26.2. You're going mm-hmm. to get in a space most likely where it gets rough, but it will ebb and flow. You'll get out of that if you can mm-hmm. stay positive and uh, there's yeah. times to zoom out and times to zoom in.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think with a marathon, we don't, we don't start thinking it's going to be easy. right? We, we should expect it's going to get hard, especially if we're giving our best. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. A lot of what I've read on uh, visualization before racing uh, has suggested that it's most effective when you visualize the difficult moments and Mm -hmm, know that mm -hmm. they're coming. Don't assume that this is going to be easy. We Mm -hmm. can't predict the exact moment when they happen, Mm -hmm. but as you said, acknowledge it and then see yourself working through it. That can Mm -hmm. be a a powerful tool.
1: Yeah. I think that's one thing that I Definitely tra- throughout my training when, when it was like a tough training day or when I had to leave my house and when I didn't want to, I just thought, what, how am I going to uh, react on race day when I hit that moment of, do I go, do I not? And, mm-hmm. um, and every time I, I train, I thought, no, I want to make sure I can answer. I'm, I'm going to go for it.
0: Mm-hmm. So we get to around 30K and then you start squeezing it down. Describe mm-hmm. those last 10 Ks, Sakiko.
1: Yeah. I think around mile, yeah, 24-ish is when I thought, yeah, 20, 22 to 24-ish. I, was, I think I was still right by the pacers. Um, and I thought, I, I need to go. I feel okay. Um, and I just kept eyeing the girl who is ahead of me and just trying to uh, slowly catch up. And then I the next girl and keep going, keep going, keep going. I thought, yeah, I'm just gonna go, put, keep pushing, and see how, how, how fast I can get to that finish line. Mm-hmm. Um, I think mile 26. It was the longest last 0.2 miles to mm-hmm. the finish line. I turned that corner and I see the clock, and for a split second, my brain, I saw what 2:35 something, and my brain went, oh boy. Is the standard two thirty seven or two thirty six? And then quickly, I was able to think, no, it's two thirty seven. You're fine. But then I thought, oh, if I push, I can be under two thirty six. And so that's where I had another, um, I guess, another engine. Another, I had another boost of energy, and I sprinted as quickly as possible to that finish line.
0: Was that the first moment uh, when you saw the clock that you really felt that I'm going to do this, or was there yeah. a point earlier?
1: No, I was think I, even when I saw that clock, I thought the marathon's not over until it's over, right? Mm-hmm. Even like once I pass the Pacers, yeah, of course, if I'm in front of the Pacers, as long as they, the Pacers did their job, right? I'm, <laughs> I should be under the time, but you just never know what's going to happen. Um, so I, um, yeah, it's just, the marathon's not over until it's over. And I think it was once I crossed that finish line is when I realized, oh, I did it.
0: And those last few miles, the focus was more on going fishing and reeling in the next girl rather than looking at your time. Did you pay much attention to the watch at that point?
1: No, nope. I really didn't look at the clock um, at my watch at all. Yeah, just, I guess kind of went, just went by feel.
0: Yeah, it's savvy advice. We talk about it on here a lot. Racing is often what produces the best times. But uh, mm-hmm. when you just focus on catching the next one, catching the next one, that's often when you run your fastest.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: When the Olympic trial standard moved from 245 to 237 for this cycle, mm-hmm. uh, did it feel daunting to you? Because I thought the raised expectations would raise the level of performance and yeah, you seem yeah. to be a perfect example of that.
1: Yeah, no, um, I was excited for the challenge. I um, like you said. I think people would rise to the occasion, and yeah, we definitely. I think we showed that that so many girls were who hadn't ever run under two thirty seven did. So yeah. no, I wasn't scared. I I was just really excited for that challenge. Why the trials? What does this goal mean to you? Mm-hmm. Um, what does this goal mean to me? I think it's the curiosity of how much faster can i get what's how what can i do and so it's a opportunity to line up with people of similar interest and opportunity to represent us um, represent our team represent where you're from with people of different backgrounds cultural backgrounds or um, family backgrounds or um, profession It's a great way of connecting with people from all over the U S
0: there's a purity in those goals. That's Mm -hmm. part of what makes running really special. Isn't it? Uh, You mentioned people of different professions. Uh, Could you Mm -hmm. touch on that a little bit, your work background and also how you balance uh, work and training?
1: Mm -hmm. So I'm a registered dietitian, a sports dietitian at Nationwide children's hospital. Um, And so I work typically with like middle school to high school um, athletes, um, and helping athletes uh, to fuel their body for their sports. What I love about what I do is it it helps from, um, for me, it helps me to stay accountable with my nutrition. Um, and it also, athletes, I hope that I inspire them, but they also inspire me to pursue my athletics.
0: I'm sure that a lot of those young people you work with are, are pretty excited for what you've accomplished. <laughs> I know that that portion of training is often very individual. Mm -hmm. But are there any big buckets we could fill uh, for some basic sports nutrition advice, um, Mm -hmm. in particular for the younger athletes who listen, the Mm -hmm. type of people you work with on a daily
1: basis? Yeah, I think it's just making sure you feel your body throughout the day. I, I call it the rule of three, making sure we have breakfast, lunch, dinner, but also snacking once, twice, maybe even three times a day, about every three hours. That kind of just checks the bucket of, hey, are we eating throughout the day? Are we eating, making sure we feel um, before and after activity? I think that's my general uh, nutrition advice for our athletes of making sure you feel enough, feel well, and underst- hope they understand that uh, how they feel their body now um, not only helps them with their performance now, but also for their long for the long-term health too. And that's something I emphasize is the longevity of your health and sport. Um and helping athletes understand how eating can help them right now. But if you want to continue to run five, 10, 15, 20, 30 years, what running running is a lifetime sport. And um if you want to continue to do that in a healthy body, right? We got to fuel your body well.
0: Yeah. You repeatedly referred to it as fueling Saqiko mm-hmm. and that's an important and healthy perspective perspective that we have to keep in our relationship with Mm -hmm. uh, eating as runners, because it's, it's Mm -hmm. the fuel. Uh, You you have to fill fill the gas tank.
1: Yeah. I call food as the input, right? It's what we put into our body and performance racing is the output. But if you don't have the right input, you're not going to get the most out, the best out of you.
0: Yeah. That's well said. I have called you in conversations here uh, around Columbus Running Company as the Parker Valby of the CRC elite team yeah. because of how much you had to cross train this year. And yeah. you referenced it yeah. earlier. So much time on the elliptical. How did you use mm-hmm. the elliptical um, this in particular summer and fall as part of your
1: training? Yeah, yeah, I first I want to say is like everybody, right, is training is different. And one way of training is not better than the other. Um, based on my health and circumstances, elliptical was the form of uh, cross training that worked best for me. And um, I think I used cross training as, uh, as a substitute for maybe what some people might do as like their double runs, or their medium long, or sometimes their long runs. And so I tried to reduce the amount of, uh, stress I was putting onto my bone and body with the mileage. uh, But instead substituted that with cross training and using the elliptical. Yeah.
0: Many roads to roam in training, as you said. Mm -hmm. Um, Can you give me some kind of tip here, Sakiko, for how I don't lose my mind on the elliptical? Uh, I I mean, I won't even get on a treadmill. I want to be outside running all the time. What are you doing passing the time when you're putting up an hour or more on an elliptical?
1: Yeah, no, I agree with you. I would definitely prefer being outdoors. But um, yeah, when I'm on the elliptical, uh, thankfully there was always some kind of sport sporting events that were um, either live or was already recorded and on YouTube. Um, so I used that a lot, whether that was um, Tour de France or some track event or um, I've also followed some or listened to podcasts or just listened to music. So I, I always had some form of entertainment that kept me company.
0: What did the other supplemental work look like? The the strength training in particular.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I, ju- I would go into the gym and do heavier weights two or three times a week. And then and the other days I would do rehab just with the different injuries I've had. I would do uh, use band work or body weight exercises or um, core work and just every day trying to make sure I uh, either strengthen my muscle and, or, uh, make sure it's, it was, uh, activated correctly. How did you
0: line up those heavier weight sessions with the rest of your weekly structure? So Mm -hmm. uh, how did you coordinate, uh, against say a long run or a hard session fitting the heavier weights around those efforts?
1: Yeah. So I typically did more of the heavy, heavier weight exercises on like the harder days. So workout days or long run days. And I would typically do like a morning session and afternoon session from like a workout or run standpoint. So um, my strength training would usually be uh, in my afternoon session, whether it's just uh, weight room or um, I would cross train for a little bit before and then do some weights. You are one of
0: the best teammates that I've been around. Uh, Thank you. What does being part of
1: a team mean to you? Yeah, CRC, Columbus Running Company. I've been part of that for a really long time, ever since I uh, graduated from OSU. Um, and it's being part of a running team is it's it's my family, right? It's, it's a community. We all share similar interests, um, have similar goals, and I think it's it's a great way of connecting with people, with, even though we all have a different life outside of running, whether it's work or family. Um, it's great to be able to come together once or even twice a week to share uh, our week or our race and kind of just socializing.
0: Mm. Yeah, and it's very special to have that opportunity when none of us are in school anymore. Right? Mm-hmm. That's a that's a thing that so many of us lose after say high school or college. But you're right. I look so forward to uh, say a Wednesday morning when uh, we yeah we get to work together and and push one another, but more importantly, just catching up, just celebrating races, mm-hmm. uh, encouraging one another. That that's a really special piece. He or she who wants to lead must first serve. And in your description of being on a team, you you were a bit modest because I do believe that you serve those around you well. How how do you think putting teammates first has helped in your case make you a better runner?
1: Yeah, that's that's a hard question to answer. Hmm. Um, I don't know. When I help other people, it helps me. For example, when I have teammates that are injured, I, it's I I just feel the need to reach out to them and ask them, how are you doing? Mm -hmm. Um, Without expecting anything back, right? It's, I want to give, because I think that's my nature of wanting to give and help. And I think that uh, in turn helps me too, wanting to uh, encourage and inspire athletes to continue this sport, even through rough times, letting them know, hey, it's going to be okay. You'll be fine. Um, You'll come back stronger. It, it, i think it's a good reminder for myself too that i'm, I'm going to go through this too and remember what you said um, and again it's so much easier said than done yes. but it's a when i'm going through tough times too i think okay well, how would i deal how would i help other people am i being kind to myself too cuz i know we can be our own we can be our biggest critic right and yes. be so hard on ourselves so when i help other people it reminds me that i need to do the same for myself too
0: yeah, serving without expectation of receiving mm-hmm. is the best way to serve. That's mm-hmm. when when we do the best for others. I suspect that might have been a little tough for you to answer, Sakiko, because you probably don't think it uh, think about it that way. Yeah, so much. Yeah. It, it just becomes part of what it means to be a teammate. Mm-hmm. So four years ago, you're training for marathon trials in Atlanta, versus today, and now you're qualified. Now you're Going to Orlando, how have you changed, matured, evolved as a runner in that mm-hmm. time, and and as a person? What's sukiko today versus four years ago?
1: Yeah, I think I have. Number one, more miles, right? That's, <laughs> yeah. even if you get hurt, right? It's not just the past two weeks of train or two mo- two weeks of training or two months of training; it's the two years or even more, right? Three, five, six, seven years of training that really, um, those training is doesn't go away, right? And I think the other aspect is that uh, the mindset and the mental health component, I think I have a better balance of how to deal with things you can't control injuries or other things too. Um, And having a better balance with running and life, I think I have a better mindset that it's not the time. It's not the place, right? It's just, it's enjoying the journey. And same, and also with the trials, it's not how you do on race day. It's the, the journey to race, journey to the trials and really embracing and um, embracing every single day and enjoying it and taking in the moment to the trials is something that I think I want to do for this lead up to the trials.
0: That lead up is short. You have a quick is. turnaround now. <laughs> yeah, the yeah. February. So, what might that
1: time period in the interim look like, and what are the goals for Orlando? Yeah, that's a great question. So, my the marathon prior to this CIM was two years ago, and mm. now I have to do a marathon in two months. So, yeah, <laughs> um, I think that's the same mindset. I'm excited for the challenge. Control what I can, and some things might come from uh, surprise me with. Maybe, I, I'm still sore a week after the race. And that's actually after I, I I'm like, was I this sore after my other marathons? And yeah, I think it's just taking it day by day. My first goal is to recover and slowly kind of get back into the routine of training and then eventually bring up the intensity again. Um, but yeah, kind of going day by day right now and just do my best to recover well, Sakiko, I'm not going to let
0: you just enjoy this moment and and this opportunity at Orlando. Why not look forward a little more beyond February? Mm-hmm. You've checked a box here and, and, as you said, gone on a journey that's quite incredible and mm-hmm. to come out with this new PR. I suspect there's something inside you that thinks even bigger than just... This comeback from an injury and uh, mm. the success at CIM, and perhaps it's not even in the marathon. Mm. There are other things in mind, other targets for the
1: long term that you've thought about at all? Uh, I'm going to keep running. <laughs> I yeah. will keep running. I don't have any uh, race goals or anything uh, outside of the trials right now. I'm sure once I'm done on February 3rd, I will talk to my coach and think what's next. Um, but no, no races in mind yet. I know that running is something that's going to be part of my life for forever, um, for a lifetime. So, um, rest up and get back. Yeah.
0: Way to stay in the moment. Don't let me pressure you into thinking about Sure. <laughs> that's good. Yeah.
1: Yeah. No, uh, yeah. I don't want to take it for granted. You never know. Um, I may not never have this opportunity again. So yeah, just yeah. trying to take it one race at a time.
0: As you said that, I, I thought that we never really know when we run our lifetime personal bests mm-hmm. At, mm-hmm. at any distance. And
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, I, I'd like to think that I still have some in front of me, but
1: yeah, yeah, uh,
0: we can get caught up in always chasing those without realizing mm-hmm. that there's bigger stuff going on around us within yeah. each moment as runners.
1: And it doesn't have to be PRs, right? That, that doesn't mm-hmm. tell you just running a PR doesn't mean you didn't. You accomplish, or um, what am I trying to say? You don't have to run a PR to be to feel accomplished, right? There, yeah. I think it's important to uh, to acknowledge even the little accomplishments too, because you never know when that accomplishment is something that you'll have to chase after next.
0: You're right. Every race distance that I think of, my best race. I don't think any of them involved the fastest time. Mm -hmm. There was was Mm -hmm. so much else to it. And and that's what folks could take from your experience too. Even though you did run a personal best um, Mm -hmm. last week at CIM, there was a a much larger process that you went through that makes this accomplishment uh, so fantastic Mm -hmm. and and why we're all so excited for you.
1: Mm -hmm. Thank you.
0: January 7th? For the folks who are local, there's going to be a, an Olympic Trials little seminar at the uh, the Dublin CRC location. Uh, so people can come out and and listen to you talk more about this journey, uh, which will be super cool for all the local folks to to get to meet you and, and hear more. And I know that so many of them are already watching you from afar. It was it was fun today at the run because we had a, a new teammate who came up and immediately was excited to congratulate you before she had even introduced yeah. herself. And I'm like
1: uh, wait, so what's your name? <laughs>
0: yeah, so yeah, Megan was super enthused. It was, it yes. was very sweet. And uh, I know so many others who so have seen all the work you've put in. Uh, we'll be excited to hear more from you. And before I let you go, Sakiko, the most important question that I ask on every episode, and this is a good one too, with your nutrition background. It's the day after a race, okay? Yeah. A day, a day after the trials. Let's say you're in Orlando and you have just, you've crushed this thing it's mm-hmm. the best race you've ever had and you're going to treat yourself for breakfast. Two part question. Number one, if you could eat anything the next day mm-hmm. for breakfast, what would that be?
1: Um, I just like a, a classic omelet and some oh. toast. Okay. And a cup of coffee. Simple, t- timeless.
0: Okay. Now my selfish perspective as someone who loves sweets
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I'm going to present to you three options that I'd like you to rank in order for me. Okay. Pancakes, waffles, French toast. Which are you taking? Put them in order.
1: Waffles, pancake, and then French toast. Sakiko, so, you know, we have the exact opposite order. Oh, wow. no. <laughs> yeah, I know.
0: I'm a bit disappointed. I feel like our, our French are fraying. A waffle person, do you do you like to make them yourself or do you have one a place that you like to go?
1: Uh I like to make homemade waffles. Yeah. I actually okay. just made one uh the day after I came I I came back from uh, the trial or the from CIM.
0: We're not talking ego here, right?
1: No, homemade uh, you're doing the real,
0: the real deal. Okay. Yeah. Uh, are
1: you a toppings
0: person? Butter yes. syrup, whipped cream, what uh, do we do? fruits,
1: peanut butter and oh. maple syrup.
0: Peanut butter sneaky good. I like that mm-hmm. call.
1: Peanut butter on everything.
0: Yeah. You can't go wrong with that, right? <laughs> yes. So Kiko, it has been so fun. Thank you so much for joining us. We're excited to watch the the build up to Orlando and beyond. Wishing you the best of luck and thanks for sharing your time. Thank you, Travis. My pleasure.